0: in it is true I am who it says I am and I can do what it says I can do today I'm going to be taught God's word it's his truth transforming every part of my life and I'll never be the same in Jesus name amen I love this time of year Many of us do. For some people, it's hard, but for most of us, we love it because of what it means, what it represents, and we see Christmas everywhere beginning to come alive. And Christmas, guys, is all about, it's a season of hope. It's what it is. This is the time of the year that we celebrate hope, Emmanuel, God reaching down, sending Jesus to us, heaven meeting earth. That's what Christmas is about. It's the fulfillment of a promise, but it's really the beginning of hope. We're going to talk about hope today, sang some songs today that were about hope. We're about to sing one of the greatest carols ever written that's about hope. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different Christmas carols. And each week, I'm going to take a carol, and we're going to dissect it a little bit and kind of show you guys some things in there about how God just speaks through the middle of these carols. There's a really famous one called O Holy Night. It was written in the mid-1800s by a French gentleman named Placide Capot. Everybody say Placide Capot. And they go, ha, ha, (laughs) ha. That's what, I can't help it when I think of that name. But his name was Placide Capot, and Placide was a French wine merchant. He was also a poet. He was apparently a pretty good one because somebody in the community, small community where they were, asked Placide to write a poem about the Christmas story. And so he took the book of Luke and he went through it and wrote the song we're going to have Wes is going to sing in a second called "O Holy Night. Now here's what's interesting. Placide was not a believer, at least not at this time. He wrote this based on what he found in Luke chapter 2. I think that's amazing. But "O Holy Night is famous for another reason that most of us probably have never heard of. I know that I had not. There was a gentleman in 1906 named Reginald Fessenden. Reginald Pheasanton. He was 33 years old and he was a university professor. He was from Canada. And he is credited for building one of the first radios ever. And he built this radio. And then he built uh, just a local radio, and then he built another radio that could be transatlantic. I mean, this guy was really a fascinating guy. And so he built this first transatlantic radio and decided on Christmas Eve, he got it done, and on Christmas Eve, he was going to do the first radio broadcast transatlantic ever. This is cool. So here's what he did on Christmas Eve. You can imagine, he picks up this microphone. And these are the first words, guys, that ever went over the airwaves around the world. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And he began to read the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. That's the first words that ever went over the radio airwaves. But check this out. After he got finished reading the Christmas story, he was apparently also a musician, and he played this song, O oh Holy Night.
1: No Holy Night The stars are brightly shining This is the night Love, our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till He appeared and the soul felt its worth The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious form. He grateful The slave is Our brother And in his name All oppression Shall cease Sweet hymns of joy In grateful chorus Raise we Let all within us raise his hope the name so flow
0: words that went over the airways guys how cool is that how important is that thank you Wes so much so think about the words of the song and I'm just going to pick out one verse today that we're going to kind of cover but think of these words a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn I think that's just fascinating a weary world how many of you know that we live in a weary world. We live in a world where hope is hard to find sometimes. You know, while we live in an age of amazing technology and, and so many things have advanced in the world, and yet people, human nature, hasn't seemed to advance a whole lot. I mean, there's, you can't watch the news for 10 minutes. I mean, I'm bombarded. During the day, my phone pops up, and it's never, hey, the weather's gonna be awesome today. Have a great day. It's always about something's wrong something's wrong and it makes you weary it makes you tired and yet we see in the hope of the gospel the story of christmas is that while the world is in darkness and the world is weary god loves us so much that he sends jesus into the middle of the challenges that we have in life and changes everything and what happens the weary world begins to rejoice well, if you look back in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Jeremiah who was a prophet, and he wrote a book called Lamentations. Now, now, if you don't know what Lamentations mean, it's basically, I'm having a really, really bad time, and I'm going to write a whole book about it. And so he writes this whole book of how terrible things are going on in Jerusalem at the time. It's the country has been invaded, everything's wrong, and, and it was just, Jeremiah was just broken for his people and for himself, and so he wrote this book they talked about the challenges they were facing. It was written in 586 BC, so almost six hundred years before Jesus was born. But in the midst of this story that he's telling and how he's pouring his heart out, he finds hope. I want to read that to you today. Lamentations chapter three verses 20 through 26. This is what Jeremiah says. He goes, I well remember them. He's thinking of all the challenges that are going on around him. I, I remember all these things. He acknowledges the pain that's going on around him. He says, I will remember these things and my soul is downcast within me. Verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind and I remember this and therefore I have what? Hope. Hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. You've heard this next verse. Verse 23 says this, they are new every morning. And then he says this, God, great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, he said, I say this to myself. He reminds himself, he starts to preach to himself a little bit. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. And then he says this in verse 26. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Hope. In the midst of trial, hope. And we're going to break that apart and look at it a little bit. But a couple of things I want to show you right off the bat is there's a big difference between hoping and wishing. There's a big difference between hoping and wishing, and if you look in the New—excuse Te- me—the Old Testament, and you look up the word hope, the hope that uh, the word that he's using here, it's a Hebrew word called tikvah, t-i-k-v-a-h, and it's a derivative of the word kiva, and here's what it means: it means patient anticipation for something. It means looking forward to something but it's an anticipation. It's something you really desire, and you don't have it now, but you're looking forward to it. And, and another word that enters here is the word cord, C-O-R-D. Think of the word rope. And so there's this anticipation, but this anticipation is tied to something. There's something that the hope is in. It's not just, well, I hope everything works out okay. No, it's like, no, I have hope, that, and my hope is attached to a promise. And because my hope is attached to a promise, I eagerly anticipate, I'm excited about what's coming. But there's an anchor here. There's a rope that's holding me onto something. And here's where it's mentioned in the Old Testament. Rahab, when she was in Jericho, remember her? we told the story a few weeks ago, her home was on the wall and the city was going to be taken over by the Hebrews. And, and she hid the spies and they said, hey, you know, we're going to invade the city. She says, well, I don't want my family to be destroyed. And they gave her a scarlet rope, a cord, and they said, hang this cord, this tikva, out the window, and that will be your hope. And when we see that, we will honor that promise, and you will not be harmed. And it's the exact same word for hope, that cord. And so her hope was in what that cord was attached to, which was a promise that these men had made for God. Our hope is attached to something. So when you see Jeremiah talking about hope, he's remembering the promises of God. He says, God, your promises are new every morning, and because of your compassion, we are not consumed. And listen what he does. He doesn't downplay what's going on around him, but he supersedes it and says, you know what? This is really bad, but my hope, God, is in you. My cord is tied to you. I anticipate, Lord, your promises. I believe in them. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had Thanksgiving, and for some of you, you were able to walk into a a kitchen or maybe a restaurant, and you smelled all this food going on. Come on, somebody, I'm going to get hungry right now. But you smell all this stuff, the desserts, the turkey, whatever was cooking. And here's what happened. You hadn't tasted it yet, but you were anticipating it. You went into the kitchen and said, how long is it going to be? And they said a few more minutes, and your anticipation began to grow, right? And you could almost taste the food. You were, what you were doing is you were feeling and experiencing hope. That's what hope is. I don't have it yet. But I know it's coming. And because it's coming, I can taste it even before it gets here. And that changes our attitude. But here's what happens to us sometimes in life we don't have hope. We become people without hope. And when we are without hope, what that brings us to is a very dark place, a very depressing place, a place where we can't see a way out. That's what the world was like when Jesus came. The Romans were, were conquerors. They'd taken over most of the known world. And here in the middle of this challenge where these people are an occupied people, where the world was weary, God drops hope right down in the big middle of that. You know it's the same for me and you. He's the same God. He doesn't change. And so he has hope for us today just like he did for them 2,000 years ago. So there's three truths that you and I encounter when we're in this weary world. Three truths about the hope of Christmas, about these encounters with Christ, and I want to go through those today. Let's look at what a moment with Jesus brings, what hope brings. Look at number one on your notes. When you have an encounter with Christ, he gives you exactly what you need, exactly what you need. Now, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between what you need and what you want, right? How many of you want a Ferrari? Can I see your hands? Come on, right now. Ferrari sounds good. How many of you have a Yugo? Come on, somebody, right now. Chevy Citation, a Nova, right? I mean... We, we, we want certain things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting things like that. But what you really need and what you really want are two different things. And here's what God says to us. Here's his promise to us. God says, I will provide all your needs according to hope, my hope and glory. I'll give you what you need. He doesn't promise to meet all our wants. Now, here's the cool thing. We sang the song today. God is a good father, and there are times he's going to give you something you want, Right? And that's awesome. But he promises to provide for all of your needs. If you look back at what we were reading in Lamentations, it said that the Lord is, look at verse 24, it says, The Lord is my portion. Jeremiah says, and you go, what does that mean? Well, that comes from, that references back when the children of Israel were wandering around in the desert for 40 years, and there was no food, and so what God had promised is that he was gonna meet their needs, right? So what happened is every day, the heavens would open up, and angel food cake dropped out of the heavens, guys. It's called manna, it's angel food. I don't know, I just assume it's cake. But anyway, it dropped out of heaven, and it would meet their needs for the day. But here's what happened. Some of them said, wisely I guess they said hey here's our food for today we better store some for tomorrow but it would go bad that night and so they wake up in the morning and it was bad but here's what happened God would meet their need again that day he would provide them their portion for that day you know in the new testament where Jesus would pray he said pray this way father give us this day our daily bread God provide for my needs today And so that's where that comes from. And what Jeremiah is saying is, God, you're my portion. In other words, God, you're going to meet my needs. Why is that important for you and I? Because God is always going to give you exactly what you need. If you're a Christ follower, he promises to give you exactly what you need. What's the second thing that God promises when we have an encounter with Christ? What does he provide for us? Look at this. Here's what else he gives us. The hope. To Keep going he gives you that rope he ties you to something and gives you the hope that you need to keep going So here's a question. I want you to think about today. This is probably the biggest question of the day What are you putting your hope in or in other words, what are you tying your hope to? Are you tying your hope to people? Because guess what people are gonna let you down It's gonna happen. I'll let you down sometimes don't want to it'll happen the people that are best intentioned in your life and love you the most, there will be times that they will let you down. And if you put your hope exclusively in them, you're going to be disappointed. What about uh, money? Do You put your hope in money? That changes a lot, doesn't it? That changes a whole lot. What about the government? Anybody hope in the government? Bless your hearts. <laughs> right? But you know what? Think about it. Let's just get real. What do we put our hope in? What you put your hope in is where you're anchored. What are you anchored up to, guys? There is only one person that you can put your truly, your your complete hope in and your trust in, and that's Jesus. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a pastor. But Here's what God says. He says, I'm not a man that I will lie. God makes these promises, and this is what it all comes down to. What do you really believe? Do you believe the promises of God or not? God says, I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. Do I believe that? God said, he'll meet every need I have. He says, he'll heal our sicknesses. He'll provide for us. He'll protect us. Do I believe that or do I put my faith in other things? Because here's the deal. If I put my faith in other things, at some point they're gonna let me down and my faith's gonna be shaken. What do I have my hope in, really? You know, I can tell you this. Um, I'm not a... I don't like, this is just a Pastor Chris thing, I don't like funerals a whole lot. I've had to do quite a few of them in my life, and it's easier if I know the person, and I know they were a believer, but you know, it's a lot more fun to dedicate babies, right? But but funerals are hard, because even though they're believers there, there's the loss and, and the hurt that's there, and I just, this is a Chris thing, I don't like to see people hurting like that, and And so that's a challenge. But there have been times that people in our community, even this year, have called me and said, listen, we've had someone in the community pass away. They don't have any family or friends that are here. They don't go to a local church. Would you come officiate the funeral? That's hard. I don't know these people. I don't know their background. You know, and and you stand up in front of a group of people, and usually I don't know any of them, and I'm trying to share something. And how do I give hope? In that moment when I don't know where their anchor is. That's hard. But you know what? We have a hope, an amazing hope in the Bible that, that is a promise. It's called the blessed hope. And here's what it says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Maybe this will help somebody today. I'm not going to read all of it, but a portion of it. This is what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. Brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no, guess what? Hope. They have no hope. Hope is a big deal. Hope is what drives us. Hope is what can keep us on track. And as Christ followers, here's the deal. Here's the hope, and for some of you, maybe it'll help you, especially this season when you're thinking about loved ones who have passed. You're going to see them again. If they, were, if they were Christ followers like you, you're going to see them again because we have this blessed hope that not only is God going to bless us here, but when this short life is over, you're going to be with him forever. You're going to be with God forever and eternity. You're going to see those that have gone before you. That is our blessed hope. How awesome is that? It's a blessed hope. But then God also promises that while we're here, he wants to give us a life worth living, give us a purpose and a reason, give us freedom. These are the things that we can experience today. But do I believe that? Where am I placing my hope? You know, we watch these comedy movies, and it's always fun, especially the movies, you know, you've seen them like I have, where somebody's somewhere and they end up tying themselves off to something that they shouldn't, like a boat. (laughs) and there goes the boat, and they think everything's cool, and the next thing you know, they're getting drug across the lake. What you tie yourself to is a big deal, and where you place your hope is a big deal because let me tell you something. Wherever it goes, you go. What are you tied off to? Who do you have your hope in? You know, the most important thing that I could give to you guys today is this. What is the hope that we as believers really profess? Well, here's what it is, that there is a Savior, that there is a Savior. That 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus, and Jesus was born in a manger, in a stall, in a stable, and that hope entered the world, and that 33 years later, Jesus took all of my sins and your sins on a cross, my healing, my punishment, all my pain, he took all that on a cross, and he died. And he paid that price for me. But then three days later, he rose again. So we have this great hope in a manger and a cross and then an empty tomb. That is the hope. But the question for you and me is, do we believe that? Do we live our lives in such a way that we believe that? That he can take the mess of my life and make it a masterpiece, that he can turn my pain and my sorrow into joy. Listen, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. This one promise from the Bible says that no matter what happens in my life, God can take it and turn it for good. Isn't that good? Miss Lynette, isn't that good to think that no matter what happens to me, as a Christ follower, Dennis, God has given me a promise that no matter what happens, God can take that and transition it into something amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but if there were were only about four or five promises in the Bible, but that was one of them, I would sign up. Because that's pretty awesome. But there are hundreds of promises in the Bible that relate to you and I. But do I put my hope in what God says? Or do I trust what man says, what money says, what the government says? Where is my hope? Where is it? Because let me just challenge you with this. If you're finding yourself in a dark place today, if you're finding yourself dealing with depressive thoughts or things like that. and here's what Where's your hope? And listen, I want to tell you something. You guys know me well enough to know now to know how I operate. I did a lot of research on this. And I, I wanted to see what psychologists said about depression and darkness and hope. And as I read article, the, uh, multiple articles about this, a lot of what they're doing is says, well, we, we want to help medicate people. But then it's like, well, they've got to, be thinking, they've got to have hope because that's what ultimately pulls us out. But my thought was, as I was reading what they said, is what is your hope in? Where are you anchoring your hope? Because if your hope is just, well, everything will be all right tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. That's a great song that little Annie sings. But I don't know that I would hang my hat on that. You know, around here... We've seen our share of storms, haven't we? I'm talking about physical outside rains, snow, whatever. And have you noticed something really amazing? Whenever we have a big, let's say, a rain or a thunderstorm, doesn't matter even what time of year it is, but when we have one of those big two-inch you know, frog floaters that comes along and it just washes and rains really hard and it's so loud and, and, it's, and maybe even a little nerve-wracking and then it's over and the next morning you go outside and the sun begins to come up and everything looks so clean. Have you ever noticed that? It's almost like God took Windex and just sprayed it down and wiped everything off. And you don't realize how dirty it was before until that happens. You go, wow, that's amazing. And when I read Lamentations and he says, God's mercies are new every morning. It's like God comes along and Windexes us off and says, listen, today may be hard, but tomorrow's going to be okay. The sun's going to come up tomorrow because I'm still God. And if you're my child and you'll hold on to me, it's going to be okay. And I love the fact that Jeremiah does not minimize the pain of the situation. He says, this is hard, but this is not where my hope is. My hope is in God. And I want you to remember this too. If you look at many, many, most of the the great people of the Bible, here's what they would do. They would go back and they would remind themselves of what they had seen God do before. They would remind themselves, I remember God did this. And I remember God did that. And I remember one time so-and-so was sick. And I remember that one time Joe Bob had the flu. And I remember, and, and they would go through and they would remind themselves of the faithfulness of God. And then he comes out with these words. He says, great is your faithfulness. And because you are faithful, God, because you have promised, we are not consumed. And this may hurt, but you know what? Joy comes in the morning. Some of you guys don't need me around to tell you this. Some of you need to preach yourself a sermon. You need to do that. So just grab yourself a little hanky and just wave it and go, oh, great is your faithfulness. No, you can That's just weird. But do whatever you want to do. But seriously, you need to remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Carrie, remind yourself, God, I've seen you do these things. And because you did it before, I believe you're going to do it again. Not just because I have this vain hope, but because you promised me that you would. My anchor my hope, my rope is tied to God's promises. Where is your anchor tied? Where is your hope? Here's the final truth that we see in a, a world that's weary, because I think we are. Here's the promise that an encounter with Christ, an encounter with the real meaning of Christmas, gives you hope that you're seeking, it gives you the help that you're seeking. What does that mean? When I look at the Bible and you see all those just amazing stories, but I think of you guys also and some of the things that God has done in your life. Listen to me. The situations in your life are not over until God says they're over. God gets the final word. Okay? Regardless of what your situation looks like, God gets the final word. You say, well, show me that, Pastor. There was a guy named Lazarus, and he was a friend of Jesus, and he died. And Jesus intentionally waited. It's like three to four days. Jesus shows up, and and Lazarus has been in the tomb for over three days. And they walk up, and and Jesus says, take me to where he is. And they take him out there, and they're like, Lord, it's, it's too late. He's been dead for three days. The King James Version says this. They say, Lord, he's been dead for three days. He stinketh. It's what the King James says, and I love that. He's like a 13-year-old boy. He stinketh, right? Come on, somebody. That's for real. (laughs) He's musky. (laughs) But they said, Lord, he stinketh. But I can say, yeah. And then Jesus says this. Roll the stone away. Here's what he's saying without saying it. It's not over. Until I say it's over. What does that mean for me and you? Same Jesus, same faith, same God that's active today. Your marriage is not over until Jesus says it's over. Until until you may say, Well, this is dead, but God can speak life. Into dead situations, your body, you may be, you know what, they've told me my, I'm on my deathbed, and if something doesn't happen, until it's not over, until God says it's over. You guys need to get that deep down inside of you. It doesn't matter what any, Ms. Lynette, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, until God says it's over, it's not over. Because He's the one that provides the help that we need. Do you understand? Now, I want to I let you know, we pray for people to be healed, and God's the ultimate decider of how that works out. That's his call. But you know what? We have a God that can do anything. And I refuse to believe any different because he is where my hope is tied, and I believe him. I believe what his word says. Listen, just, I'm going I'm to get to meddling right now. <laughs> Some of you guys, if you Lived your life the way people said you would, you wouldn't have to a hill of beans. And in Chile or in Texas, we don't put beans in chili, so that means nothing, right? You don't believe necessarily what other people say when they say negative things about you. You believe what God says about you because He's the one that created you. Well, I'm preaching better than y'all, amen. And come on, somebody. <laughs> y'all need to help me out. Thank you. I, I'll take that, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. This needs to get down on the, in the, on the inside of you. That God is the ultimate authority in your life. And if you're a Christ follower, these promises in this book are yours, but you've got to receive them and stand on them. Amen? Because here's the thing. Who do you believe? Who do you believe? You know, there are people in this room for various reasons that have been in a situation where they got a report that said it's over. And they said, you know what? It's not over till God says it's over. They're here today. There are others that have gone to be with the Lord because that's the Lord's deal. He's ultimately the one that decides how that works. But you know what? We have our hope in Him. And we're going to trust Him. Because He is the help that you're seeking. He is who you need. Come on up, Wes. Listen to Romans 13, verses 11 through 12. Man, this is good. The hour has come, Paul says to the church at Rome. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The hour has come to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Listen to this last verse. The night is nearly over the day is almost here. Listen to this again. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Some of you I do. Most of you I don't. I don't know the storm that maybe some of you are in right now. I don't know. But God does. And maybe like one of those storms we have around here right now, it's raining. And it's hard and you don't understand and maybe it's you're hurt or maybe you're scared I want to validate that I want to validate that that's real you don't need to pretend like it's not real but what you need to do is you need to check and see where your hope is tied to for some of you you need to reach out and grab that rope and say God I need you now in this situation." You are my hope. God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this situation. I'm going to trust you because you are God. And you know what? It may be night right now, but I know that joy is coming in the morning. Because no matter what happens to me, he is still God. He's still God. And he is the anchor of our soul. Why is this important? We need to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope for a weary world. He is our hope for a weary world. And because of a manger and then a cross and then an empty tomb, you and I have a reason to live. We have a real hope, not an imaginary, made-up philosophy, but a real hope. I want us to be like the shepherds. When the angels showed up and they said, you got to go see. And they said, let's go. And they went over there and they walked into that stable. And they looked over and they saw hope. And they were so excited that God had come. They said, now let's go tell somebody. Let's go tell somebody. Because he's here. Hope has finally come. He's here. That's the true deal of Christmas, guys. That's the true meaning of Christmas. Hope has come. So, we're going to close. Here's the thing. I, question I want you to ask yourself today. Where is my hope? Be honest. Where is my hope? Am I trusting God? Am I trusting somebody else, something else? I need to put my hope in him. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you For the true meaning of Christmas. That hope has come. Lord, we don't need to be... Boy, that guy sounded great, whoever that was. (laughs) We don't need to have our hope in things that, that can change, guys. Lord, I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus but you know, I would be wasting my time and these wonderful folks here would be wasting their time if we're just here to talk. We need to walk out of here knowing where our hope is, knowing that there's an anchor, that our rope is tied to you, that our hope, Lord, is in you. If you're here today and maybe you're struggling, maybe you are in that storm right now, Maybe your hope is in other people. Maybe your hope is in relationships. Maybe hope is in money for you or or some other source, but, but God is not really your hope. He's kind of your last choice and not your first one. But you want to make a decision today to put your hope in him. Whatever your situation is you're facing. That's for Christians and, and people here that maybe aren't believers. Where is your hope? If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus' hope or you want to begin to tie off to him as the hope or the anchor of your soul, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need that kind of hope in my life. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. People raising their hands, get, get their hope in the right place. But our hope in the right place. Let's all stand this morning. A number of people raise their hands. I'm sure there's many more that know they need to get their hope in the right place. So just do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart like this. I want you to worry about anybody around you this morning. Let's all just pray this together. Lord, I need you to help me. You know what I'm facing in my life. And I'm asking you today, Lord to help me be my salvation be my savior I'm trusting you Lord I'm putting my hope in your promises and you said you would never fail me so I trust you Lord in Jesus name amen now keep your hope there Keep your hope there, amen I'm gonna pray over you and dismiss you today I do wanna remind you, class is Wednesday night Next Sunday in here, both services are gonna be the kids play Come, I love it, it's gonna be fun We're gonna have a good time So make sure you're here next week And I'll remind you over the weekend This is a great season to be part of this church But more importantly to be part of the body of Christ And I'm gonna charge you with this today When you leave this place, the hope of the gospel is where? It's in you. It's in you. So when you leave today, carry hope out there because they need him. And he lives in you. Amen. Father, thank you for all these amazing people. I pray, Lord, today that you would be with us. And as we leave this place, Father, your presence would go with us. Help us to shine your light, Lord. Help us to take your hope to the world. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. It turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody. All about somebody
1: who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me.